0: I said, "Are you ready?"
1: What? The horror,
0: bros! All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Horror
1: Bros.
0: Yes, I'm your host, Jason Johnson, along with
1: Raymond Cabrera. I stole his act. No, 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 we're we're (laughs) not doing that. Yeah, we're not uh, doing that.
0: Yeah, JT <laughs> Johnson. All right. Um, so tell me, what are we? What rabbit hole are we getting into today?
1: Well, first off, this is our season finale. We're yes. ending the first seat. We're getting out of the seventies after today. Yep. Um, and today, it, it's a good one. It's another movie that makes you go, what? Of course, I'm talking about Don Coscarelli's Phantasm, a film about a seven-foot-tall monster from another dimension that can transform into beautiful blonde woman in order to lure victims to their demise, in order to harvest their bodies, while a 13-year-old kid tries to solve the film's secrets in order to save his brother, Jody, and his ice cream truck driving friend, Reggie. Did you catch all of that? Uh, yeah. The movie is one of the more surreal entries, and I'll try my best to explain it to some degree, But if you're coming here for all the answers, I'll be honest and say that I don't even think that Coscarelli really has all the answers. But anyway, the main cast includes A. Michael Baldwin as Mike Pearson, the curious 13-year-old kid, Bill Thornberry as Jody Pearson, Mike's brother that has has to be his guardian after the death of their parents, Reggie Bannister as Reggie, Jody's ice cream truck-driving best friend. Kathy Lester as the Lady in Lavender, the the lady who lures the victims for a little graveyard sex before revealing that she's actually the last person on this list. Angus Scrim as the tall man, the multi-dimensional dream demon that may or may not be real. And that's yes. the intro. Yeah. So, Jason, thoughts?
0: Okay, so the way I have always gotten into this show... This movie is late night. It's playing on some channel and I just caught it. I have since gone back and rewatched it all the way through, but it was always fascinating to me. But again, what the hell is it? And I think I've actually got it figured out now <coughs> after this. this <coughs> Sorry, viewing.
1: I think I've figured it out. Uh yeah, the first time I watched this one, this is uh, actually one of the many many films with Dad. Yeah, uh, we went to the video store and we saw the first movie, and it was of course next to at that point in time yeah. the other three sequels. But um, we ordered the we rented the first one. We watched it. We couldn't quite tell you what was going on. We just knew it was freaky and yeah. that it was weird, and yes. and we loved it. Yeah. I think I, I, I'm i trying to remember. I think Dad compared it somewhat to Twilight Zone. Like, he felt like it was a bit of a Twilight Zone-ish kind of story. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I can see that. Especially now that I'm older and have seen more Twilight Zone than I did then. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, after that, we went and saw the sequels. Like, we made a, a, a weekend out of watching Phantasms 2, II, 3, and 4. And if you think any of those explain this shit, they don't. No, but uh, if anything, they make them more confusing. And I'm that's something I'm in the
0: middle of right now. I'm going down the rabbit hole on this one. That's why I said, "What rabbit hole are we getting into?" Because I have seen parts of two, three, and four. I have never seen them all the way through. And so I'm doing. I did one earlier to refresh my memory, which I have seen all the way through. Like three times now and then um two i'm doing tonight and then tomorrow i'm gonna sit down and do three and four how are you gonna watch two i rented it yeah you gotta go on because amazon rent
1: it and i'll i'll explain that later as to why yeah. it's because the other three sequels because there's five movies yeah the other three sequels are on uh shutter right just to let people know along the, with the first film along with the first one yeah and And there's actually commentaries done on the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs, which I'll be honest is where I got a lot of information. (laughs) Yeah, from about the the behind the scenes because it was very hard, even online, to find like real behind the scenes stories with this movie. Right, it's just not as well documented as other horror films because it's if there's ever a film that defines cult, it's this movie. Yeah, like cult cult film. Oh, yeah. This is a uh, textbook. There's very specific
0: um, set of people that really like Phantasm.
1: Yeah. And that is another thing. You either... I, I can't... I mean, I can recommend it personally, but I can't say you're going to like it to right. anyone. You're right. either going to love it or you're going to hate it. There's no in-between with this movie. Right. There's no... all eh, right it's all right. <laughs> uh, but Coscarelli, he he apparently had a dream about a silver ball trying to drill into his head. That was the origin for the script. Yeah. He also was, uh, Reggie Bannister who plays Reggie, the ice cream truck driver. Who's the best part of the movie, in my opinion. Yeah. It's it, in terms of our protagonist. Yeah. Uh, he actually wanted Coscarelli to adapt, uh, something wicked this way comes. Uh, cool, yeah. But Disney got the rights to that before he could even try to get them. Yeah. And so, but he was like, but I'm going to, fuck it, I'm going to write a script that will be along those lines. Uh, and the word phantasm actually comes from Ecker Allan Poe. There's a lot mm-hmm. of, one thing I, I noticed about this film is there's a lot of literary references. One of the biggest is Dune. In yeah. a big bad way. There's a can the bar in the that all the men go to that get seduced by the la- lady in Lavender as she's called. Yeah. Uh that's called uh uh Dune's Cantina. And uh there's also the scene where Mike puts it has to put his uh hand in a box. Right. And he starts to experience pain and it's like fear is the killer. That's a fucking straight ripoff of Dune. That's not even an homage. That's like, I'm taking this scene at the beginning of Dune. You don't even have to go looking for it in the fucking book. It's right there at the beginning. And I'm just going to do it. So, uh, I know, uh, what is it they say? Imitation is the strongest form of flattery. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck ripping off is then. I guess that's the ultimate show of love.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It's, but yeah, but, uh, (laughs) <laughs> Do you
1: have any questions about it? Uh, well,
0: I mean, it, 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 when we get done talking about the movie, I want to, uh, as far as you, you've given us the synopsis and all that, Jess. No. Once we go into all that, um, after we're done with that, I want to get your take on what it is, and I'll give you my take on what it is, and just see, you know, how well we can match up.
1: You know. Okay. Um. Yeah, the movie uh, – just go – got to get my notes here. The uh, The notable scenes, of course, is, is that Jody and Reggie – there's a guy that's killed right at the beginning of the movie. Right. And Jody and Reggie were friends with this guy, Tommy. Right. And so they go to the funeral. Uh, Jody, it turns out, is taking care of Mike because their parents have died. He actually was away for a while and came back to take care of him. But now he's talking about going away again and leaving uh, Mike with his aunt. And, and of course, uh, Mike knows this because he follows Jody everywhere, <laughs> like everywhere. This is a lot of this yeah. is a film with a lot of scenes of a kid following someone. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, uh, and then, of course, Reggie, uh, Reggie. It's so weird the role he ends up taking in the sequels, which I'm not going to say because you're about to watch them. Yeah, it's it's different. This one he's just the friend who's like, "Whoa, man, what far out things are happening?" Yeah, here. right. Like, um, the the tall man is a mystery. He pops up. He he after the funeral, he can lift the ca- the coffin right and and single-handedly right in which mike mouths what the fuck yeah (laughs) um and and then after that it's the tall man notices i guess noticed him or something because then now the tall man is coming after uh mike yeah and mike you know eventually he has to try to convince jody there's that scene uh, it's pretty great how he convinces him. There's one point where he has an encounter with a tall man, slams a door on him and, uh, chops some fingers off and he yeah. takes one of the fingers cause it's still moving. Right. Which then, which would be my first
0: the, thought. Just pick that up. Throw it in your pocket. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. And he puts it in his pocket. That's like uh-huh. a little, little keepsake, little yeah. hanky. Uh, then he gets home, puts it in the box. Jody sees it so he's convinced and then all of a sudden this fucking finger turns into the most unconvincing looking monster fly spider spider thing. thingy yeah that was uh,
0: i was just like what the fuck and then is you that? see
1: the the old school they wrap it up in a jacket and then start jerking around right like, <laughs> right, right which i will admit as a person who loves this movie, that is the hokiest shit I've yeah. ever seen.
0: Well, that's that's the thing about this movie, and I'll get into it later. That is, is the 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 hokiness, though, of some of the shit that happens in this film, yeah. is just is what I think makes it a great cult classic. You yeah. know? Uh
1: There's of course the great. There's a great scene in the movie actually where the 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 tall man. It's a slow motion scene which is very telling for what I think this film is. Yeah. Um, he's slowly walking and he stops and he kind of, it's almost like he's smelling the ice cream out yeah. of the ice cream truck, but there's actually more to it than that. Yeah. Uh, and then of course, when he sees the Mike later on, he's like my favorite, my favorite line of the tall man, simple line, boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You play a good game boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but now this game is over. <laughs> uh, but the thing about that scene though is is the reason that there's a lot of scenes like that where it's like, what the hell is he doing? Is there was a three hour cut of this movie. Okay. And a test screening uh didn't go over too well, but also Coscarelli himself wasn't that happy with it. Right. His decision was to go through and take all the scenes that explicitly explained what in the fuck is going on, take them out. Okay. And throw them out. He intentionally made the movie more confusing. Yeah. And what's funny about that, I'll go ahead and get you a little background on the sequels here, Jason, uh, which you can look out for when you watch them. They found some of this lost footage
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: in the 90s. And he built the whole fourth film around using this footage. Okay. So you'll actually see footage that you never saw in this first film in that film. Okay. And so you'll wonder like, wait, wait a minute. How, how did he do this? And it's... Yeah, yeah. Sounds <laughs> he, like well, he got... a kid again. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, so it is a, it's meant to be a confusing film. The film actually ends with a confrontation with a tall man, with Jody... And and, uh, and Mike, apparently Reggie has been killed. They discover a room in the mausoleum where they discover these tuning forks, basically, yeah. <laughs> that lead to another dimension. And somehow, by simply going through it for 10 seconds and being pulled out, Mike then knows the whole plot of The Tall Man. Which right. Is, which is, oh, he's from another dimension, and their gravity sucks, and it's yeah. hot. And, and that's why they're squashed down in the dwarves. Now, one thing people love to note about this film, my last little behind-the-scenes thing here, and then I'll talk about the ending, and then we can talk about our interpretations of it, is people note that the dwarves look a lot like Jawas.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Now. Just like Jawas.
1: Now, this movie came out in 1979, so a lot of people think that, like, oh, he ripped off Star Wars. Yeah. This film was shot a few months before Star Wars came out in 77 and didn't come out until 79. Yeah. The design is completely coincidental. It It's not supposed to be, be a off of the Jawas. But, um, but yeah, the, the movie Coscarelli was only 23 at the time he shot this. It was a $300,000 film. He had shot two other films.
0: How old was one he? One of again? which
1: he was 23,
0: 23 in May. He was 23. 23.
1: Wow. Well, he was in high school when he shot his first film because yeah. daddy gave him money. He came, uh, from, okay. a rich, he okay. came from a very rich family. And his dad uh, gave him the money to shoot his first film for $30,000. Yeah. That ended up ballooning to 80000 80, And then yeah. Universal put another 100000 on top of it because when they saw this, oh, we can market this as filmed by a high schooler. Yeah. Like, film flopped. Second film flopped. This film had to work. 'Cause daddy right. wasn't gonna foot the bill anymore. <laughs> right. On these kind of movies. Uh, but thankfully it did work. Uh three hundred thousand dollars. The movie made twelve million dollars, went on to make god knows how much more on eventual home video releases and yeah,
0: cause they, eventually I can remember like they there were not only copies of this film in the video store, there were there were multiple copies of this
1: film in the video
0: store. I mean, they were always this film's always been around. It's it's
1: and the movie, of course, led to a lot of sequels in the eighties, or, or well, one yeah. in the eighties and two in the nineties, and right. then one in the twenty tens. Um, he did Phantasm two in nineteen eighty eight with Universal Pictures. That's yeah. why that film is usually not included with collections. It is in more recent collections, but it's yeah. why it's not on Shutter because they'd have to make a deal with Universal. Uh, but he had kind of a iffy experience making the film under a studio. Yeah. So And the film didn't do as well, so Universal didn't really want to move forward. So eventually in 94, he releases the straight-to-video Phantasm Three: Lord of the Dead, in 1998, he releases Phantasm Four Oblivion, and I think I said Phantasm Four twice. Uh, no, you didn't. I didn't? Oh, okay. And then in 2016, well, first off, in 2012, they were like, is it true you're going to make a, a Phantasm five? Yeah. And to which his response, uh, Reggie's response, Reggie Bannister's response yeah. was, yes, we already did. We shot it in secret. And then in 2016, <laughs> Phantasm Five Ravager came out, yeah, which sadly was the last one for Angus Grim. Angus Scrimm died, uh, actually, not long after that film came out, yeah, and uh, he was in his 90s, so I mean he lived a good long, yeah, life. Yeah. But he also created, in my opinion, a movie monster that is up there in the upper echelon. Movie monsters like he belongs with Michael and Jason and Freddy and yeah yeah Chucky. Uh, and Chucky. Uh the just cool part
0: do- is, it's just a it, it's so easy to do. You you find a very tall, creepy looking man, and you just say, "Go be creepy," and that's it. It you know, <laughs> no heavy makeup <laughs> involved, no bullshit. Just 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 a really tall, creepy dude. You know. <laughs>
1: Now, of course, the movie features another iconic image. Yeah. And that is the famous silver sphere balls of death. I don't know what to call them.
0: Yeah. uh, They they, they never do give them a name, do they?
1: Not in this first film. I actually, I will go ahead and say, if the internet is screaming at me, I do think they have a name. Yeah. I just don't remember what the hell it was at this moment. Right. And you're not going to find it
0: out about it in this movie anyway. Yeah. Uh,
1: The silver spheres and phantasm were created by a guy um, whose name escapes me. Um, God damn it! Um, Getting old sucks, doesn't it? Getting old sucks. I forgot. Well, I forgot to write his name down. Yeah, man. But uh,
0: oh, I carry a notebook with me at all times because I'm ancient
1: (laughs) but uh so i apologize for losing that but the guy actually died before the film was even released uh so he didn't get he didn't get to see his creation really become an iconic imagery of horror yeah by the way they're called sentinels Sentinels. Uh, i did just remember that
0: (laughs) sentinels okay
1: um and they Basically, these two spikes come out for anyone who hasn't seen the film yet. You'll notice when you see them. And they stab you in the head and then they drill into your head and shoot the blood out the back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Somehow
0: then, they tap into an artery no one knows about because they shoot <laughs> all of your blood out in very quick succession. I mean, it's, it's insane how fast that blood shoots out of that damn sphere.
1: And uh, they... Um, shit, I I really am losing my mind. Um, they have become as iconic as the tall man.
0: Oh yeah, and yeah, for sure,
1: the way they shot them—this is what I was getting to. Yeah, is they basically had a baseball player, yeah, throw them in front of the camera, yeah, and then they just reverse the footage so they look like they're flying. I'll be and damn. they. And when they to show it hitting the guy's face, yeah, they had it attached to him and pulled it off of him. Same method, and yeah. just shot it in reverse, yeah, so it looks it like it's hitting yeah, it's him cool. in the face. Old school film yeah. techniques. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Sentinels, of course, only play a, a part in a couple of scenes in this movie, but they they become bigger in, in the sequels. Uh, like I said, the movie ends with a confrontation with the tall man. And basically what happens is they they pull a Looney Tunes maneuver where they have a hole dug in the ground. Yeah. And they just jump over it and he falls through the disguised hole, not yeah. noticing that his prey had just jumped over it.
0: Well it is supposedly uh, just so people don't think it is just a hole they dug, it is a it is a mine shaft that is supposedly a thousand feet deep straight down. So yeah. <laughs> so I mean it did, you know.
1: And not only that, to ensure that he dies. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To to ensure that he dies, Jody pushes some rocks or some shit. Yeah, some boulders. Apparently,
0: Jody Jody is as strong as the damn tall man himself, because those are like tons of boulders that he pushes off this fucking mountaintop.
1: But that's also a hint, maybe, at what's happening, because the very next scene... There's Mike sitting with Reggie, yeah. who supposedly is dead. Right, and this movie has the ending that tends to piss people off. Right, it was all a dream. It was yeah. all in Mike's head. Jody had actually died previously. Right, and Reggie was telling him, "Well, man, you just lost your brother and your parents and all this. So, you know, hey, how about you and I go on a creepy road trip together?" Like, yeah. He, like, yeah. Uh, thanks, Uncle Reggie. Yeah. You are going to be that kind of uncle, huh? It's, but anyway, uh, uh, yeah, and well, <laughs> and I, then, I, but but it does hint that it's all not a dream because he encounters the tall man again, right, in, in his in, room. In his room, and, and then we have the ending of that, uh, the ending of the monster with one right. last scare.
0: And that, well, and that's it's really weird because it almost because the last time we see Reggie, he has been stabbed by the tall man. He is—he dies. You watch him like blow out his last breath, and then Jody looks at Mike and says, uh, "No, we can't save him. You know he's dead already. Let's go." And they run off and then go execute their plan to kill the tall man. And then, with no explanation whatsoever, Reggie's alive. Jody is dead. It was almost like it was a different ending, maybe, than what they originally shot. And then they just said, okay, well, well, this is how we've got to tie it all up, uh, you know, for the future or or whatever.
1: Well, let's go ahead and ignore the last scare of the monster. Throw that to the side. The tall man shows back up. You always have to have that moment. Right. Yeah, The movie really works... With the idea, the premise that it's all a dream. Yeah. Because as the movie progresses, it gets more fragmented and confusing. Yes. And weird. And that's what happens in your dreams. Yeah. And what you often remember in dreams, you often never remember dreams completely, if at all. Right. And so you remember these fragments. I know there was a tall yeah. man. I know that Jody was thinking about leaving me and, and all this stuff. And also the interpretation of dreams matches with this movie in his dream, quote unquote dream. Jody is wanting to leave him. Yeah. Well, in the real world, he has left him. He's died. Yeah. And so it makes sense on a lot of that. A lot of things that what I picked up on, and I'm glad to see that other people picked up on it too, that other fans, the movie is about dealing with death. Yeah. Yeah. It's in a big, bad way. That's my interpretation of it, is that it's about dealing with death, and this troubled kid is at the center of it, and we're really in his head. Whether he's dreaming or not, we're in his head. Right. Uh, If I had to interpret this film, none of the sequel's attached. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, But this film alone, so yeah, I think it's in a dreamscape. I think it's in his mind and we're just kind of seeing him deal with loss loss of his parents loss of loss right. of his brother and and the tall man is sort of the manifestation of of death really he's the he's the one coming to get you right uh when when it's time but that's my interpretation of it yeah. <laughs> what were you, what, what's
0: your interpretation well, I, it? well it's kind of strange because after um i i i did read a, a something online about how it was it was filmed in like you said it, it's like a child's nightmare it's filmed to look like that it's fragmented it it it's got symbols in it that don't make sense and all so but i think there's two interpretations you can make of this movie I think you can make the interpretation that, okay, it was a dream. Well, then we get to get into the psychology of this kid and why he saw the stuff the way he did and things like that. The other thing is, uh, though, is um, the interpretation you can have of it's real. Mm. And if it's real, well, then, okay, ignore the you know fragment and all that it okay what the hell is this thing you know and and <laughs> why is it and 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 my my theory on that is because in the movie he does he said it's a portal it goes back and forth between his planet which i think was a fuck up the, uh, they shouldn't have said planet yeah. i think they meant dimension that's what they
1: you know he yeah, was saying and I could go ahead and tell you that's later yeah. established, that it's yeah. dimension. Yeah. <laughs> so my,
0: my theory is this. He comes from another dimension. He was exiled from that dimension. He's using our dead to build an army of slaves to go back to his own dimension and regain dominion over his world. But who the fuck knows, really? <laughs> oh yeah you know <laughs> and he needs a team of evil jawas to help him take back over his dimension
1: uh real quick because it was bugging the shit out of me while yeah. you were talking i just wanted to go ahead and do this willard green developed the, the spheres the sentinels okay that was gonna bug me if i didn't answer that I, for this episode
0: dude it happens to me all the time now and i uh yeah yeah it, it at forty five, there's there's so much crap that I've learned over the years like that that it's just it, none of it sticks anymore. Like I said, I have to carry a damn notebook with me now, or I'll I'll forget everything. But yeah, yeah the
1: um, I think it's Willard Green. What the hell? Yes, Silver Surfer prop. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and he died in seventy seven, so he died not long after having designed,
0: them. actually designing it. Yeah, um, but no, no, it, but yes. Uh, no no but yes um, God what the hell is my phone? <laughs> uh, so the, the but yeah there's the if it's real which I think you know in the later films it gets established that it is real they 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 yeah, yeah I think what they did is is they had this very in the first one they had this very high concept that there's a kid having a nightmare uh involving death because he has lost his parents, uh, a friend of his brother's, then his brother, uh, you know, and, and so he, his brain is interpreting death the only way he can figure it out to interpret it. Um, and then uh, you couple that with the fact that now death is a fear of his because all of his family is gone. Um so it comes out as a nightmare. I yeah. think that was the high concept they started with, which is really cool and neat, you know, and all. But I think um in 88, by then we had seen the start of a million and one horror franchises and they said
1: fuck we need that.
0: Them we need the tall man to become just like Jason and Freddie and Michael. And we need to, we need to co- start filming sequels to this shit and making us some money. And that's what and they that's, did.
1: And that's where honestly, uh, universal yeah. comes in because universal with, with phantasm two universal was always jealous, not jealous. They were always embarrassed. If I, if I, if you will, yeah. That they used to be the first name in horror with the the classic movie monsters. Right. That in the eighties they didn't have anything. Right. And in fact, in eighty one and eighty two, they actually had the rights to Halloween, and they did Halloween two and Halloween three. Yeah. They got those rights because they thought they could make Michael Myers their Freddy Krue. Well, at this yeah. point, Jason. They're Jason Voorhees. Right. Um, because Paramount had Friday the 13th and that's what bugged them. Oh, another major studio had a monster. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so later on in 88, it was a similar situation. They're still looking for their monster. Yeah. And why not go and try to get this six foot four guy named Angus Scrim to be our monster. Right. Uh, which by the way, he's six foot four, which makes him, uh, uh, slightly taller than me. Yeah. But he wears platform shoes. Right, yeah. They put the movie him in actual to, heels. Make him, to, to make him six foot seven. Yeah. And uh, this the, the tall man, real quick, is actually also based on there's like a German legend of the tall man. There's a lot of tall man legends out yeah. there. And yeah. we've actually seen a more recent personification of the tall man legend pop back up mm-hmm. from the Something Awful forums in the form of Slender Man. Slender Man. And
0: um, in fact, it, it this is this is some crazy shit. You the the you can follow those German legends and, and and some of the other European legends, and it's always a very tall man, and he pretends death and all that jazz. You can follow all that, even to the creation, uh, not of the movies, but of the mythos of the Men in Black. Um, if you follow it all down, you come down from from German folklore uh, and other European folklore. It's in several places, and then you come down. You get the men in black stuff. You get Slender Man. You get. There's been several interpretations, and it's weird. Because it always modernizes like, you know, it's it, you know, you don't think it's going to be anything uh, like you wouldn't think these tall men who wore leather back in the 15th century and uh, would have an interpretation all the way up to today. But then suddenly the Internet shows up. And how do you interpret it for that? And then Slender Man shows up. So it is really well, weird that it is so adaptable to to all this.
1: I think Genius. the con- I think the concept of an ominous tall man yeah is it can be applied to multiple things. Right. Because like right now I'll go ahead and say this, I'm actually working on a story. Yeah. that has a that actually has a monster in it that people might interpret that I got I'll go ahead and say this right now I didn't I got it from Slenderman. Yeah. Because of there were some similarities when I wrote it, I didn't notice this because what I was actually doing is I was inspired by the original Tall Man legends I was reading about. Yeah, and and more directly, and the reason I bring it up here on this episode, the Tall Man in Phantasm, it was right. that was my inspiration yeah. when I was visualizing just certain elements of, of the monster I was creating. Right. So yeah, it does pop back up, but it's weird how like when you may sometimes you'll make something in in your in your mind and you'll be like oh this is so great and then you'll look online and it's like a thousand other people have come up with this concept before well,
0: yeah yeah
1: I'm not original yeah. at all
0: oh yeah but uh, well you know in stand up that happens all the time you know there's not yeah. a thing in the world that hasn't been joked about but you got to take the joke that's already been made and make it your own that's basically how it works
1: that's why like uh so many there's so many accusations of joke stealing when it's really not, oh, yeah. it's really, it's yeah. really parallel thinking, right.
0: Parallel thinking, yeah. like thinking yeah. people, you know, there's some, there's a, there's a hundred different names for it, but it happens all the time and you, you can't help it. You know, people, people are people. And we, uh, contrary to what we would like to believe, we are not all little individual snowflakes. Most of us think a lot
1: alike. <laughs> you know, Well, there, there's that too. And, but you can go about all the way back to the, the, the caves right. and see stories that's like oh yeah. that's where that came from <laughs> yeah well
0: that well it's it's funny because the the folklorists and stuff have noticed in the past that uh petroglyphs um will often have a uh interpretation of a very tall man that pretends death or the coming of winter to end the harvest things like that so you know the tall man thing goes goes back as far as anyone can remember you know uh,
1: but uh, and i think that ultimately i think the dream imagery and that concept of the yeah. tall man that we've been talking about here i think that's why this movie works for a lot of people because it may not yeah. work on a an it may not work on an understanding level of you understand the yeah. plot and where it's going. And you go from point A to B to C to D Yeah. because there is no point A to B to Z to D. Um, but you recognize the concepts. It, it, yeah. it taps into your own fears Somehow it taps into your own Absolutely. views. And it actually reminds me a lot of the very few European and Asian horror films that I have seen, yeah. they're a lot like Phantasm. It's not as unique overseas for right. these kind of concepts as it is here. This movie was seen as groundbreaking in horror here, right. but in Europe, in Europe, it's like the Seven Day. I don't know what kind of accent that was, yeah. but <laughs> but whatever but it was, me, you'll be
0: canceled for it. Yeah, sure.
1: <laughs> but they, you know, they're looking at us going like, ah, we've been doing that since, yeah. <laughs> And, Since well, the
0: '60s, yeah, and they 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 often have things that are much more high concept than what we we do. But I think that goes back to the start of the horror film, which I mean, you can go back as far as Nosferatu, and you know, I mean, way way back, you know, silent film days, and and uh, but then you get to the Universal films. We always have a real tangible monster. You know, in our in over here, whereas over there, it, it, I think Freddy Krueger was probably the first thing over here that became a standard, that became a, a horror icon that was technically not real. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah. it could affect yeah. the real world, but it was a dream and it was a, a very, very different concept. Now, I will say this much for Phantasm. it. Um, it catches a lot of shit you know because it's a horror movie and and there is some crazy ass hokey shit in it yes but <laughs> I do believe I really and truly believe that they did start out very high concept on this they started out very much wanting to explore how is this 13 year old child dealing with the death of his entire family and uh, and yeah Because if you think about it, and let's, well, let's talk about some of the hokey shit in this film. Um, First off, if you're 13 years old and you're wanting to deal with death, you you, you want something you're afraid of, you want to be able to kill it. You want to be able to take care of it. And so, not only does death take this physical form in his dream, but he has a... House full of fucking guns. I don't know if you noticed, there's an arsenal <laughs> in this kid's fucking but, house to include like a, a, several shotguns, a rifle, a forty five automatic pistol, um, and he has complete and total access to them.
1: And not yeah. only that, well, it was the 70s. We well, yeah, no, but, but I mean, okay. we still had.
0: I grew up with parents that told yeah, me, hey, don't touch the <laughs> guns, you know.
1: But real quick, and you have a brother... An yeah. older brother who's saying, Don't use, don't point a gun at a man unless you tend to use it, and don't use it unless you intend to kill him. And yeah, yeah. like, Holy yeah. shit, dude. He, and,
0: you know, the, the <laughs> you see this kid, he's he, he, another thing, you know, he, you could think of, you know, well, his brother had this cool ass car, man. This cool ass <laughs> yeah. sports car. And yeah, it's a, it's a Hemi Barracuda. It, it has a, uh, um, uh, and uh, you see the kid working on it. You see him under it with wrenches and stuff working on it. You know, he ain't ever worked on a damn car. That's in his dream because it was something yeah. he always wanted to do with his brother was work on the car.
1: Um, you know, and there's a lot of things from Coscarelli's own dreams. Just real quick yeah. to uh, the Cuda, the Barracuda is a perfect example of this. Yeah. Um. Not only did he say that there was a dream of a sphere that was influenced on the movie. Yeah. He had a high school friend who had a Barracuda. And yeah. he was always jealous that he never had one, and that's why it's in this movie. So it, it is the director's own dream. Yeah, in the movie. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then
0: it, I mean, you get to other things too. I, it, oh my god! It it, it that just it. it. <laughs> so the brother at one point locks him in his room, jams a screwdriver in the door to stop it from opening. And he's just pacing around, and Mike wants to get out because he's going to go fight the the evil, bad, tall man with his brother. <laughs> and and he finds a shotgun shell, a thumbtack, and a hammer, and he uses um, scotch tape to put this shit together in a way. To where he can hit the hammer, which hits the thumbtack, which hits the primer on the shell, and the most explosive shotgun shell on the planet blows a hole through the door, through which he can reach and unlock
1: the door. That that's it, because that's because yeah. what you didn't know, Jason, yeah. is that this is the origin story for MacGyver. Yeah, exactly, <laughs>
0: exactly. I mean, this kid. So, yeah, but no, that's another thing that is a, you know, a kid doing some badass cool shit in his dreams, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 it, and then that leads almost directly to another scene where he has that forty five ACP and it's tucked into his waistband. The tall man picks <laughs> him up, throws him in the back of a damned uh, hearse, they're riding along. The kid blows out the back window with the with the forty five ACP, right? And then he takes the pistol and he shoots through the floorboard at the back of the hearse directly into the tire, blows out the tire while simultaneously jumping out of the back window of this speeding car, which immediately hits a light pole. And again, the most explosive hearse on the planet blows up it, i mean in, in spectacular fashion oh, and it was all shit that would be in a kid's dream you know That's, i
1: mean you've got the scene where jody's shooting at the engine block and man it just yeah
0: fell.
1: yeah this is the weakest hearse I've ever yeah seen that
0: that car life. is just it's t- it's done it's 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 uh basically made of paper and apparently these fucking interdimensional fucking metal spheres are too, because one's coming for Mike. Jody pops around the corner with a shotgun and blows it up into a purple fucking powder that just yeah.
1: flies <laughs> everywhere. And, it's, and, appar-
0: yeah. and apparently
1: one more other hokey thing is apparently women yeah. are not allowed to die in this movie. No, because, not at all. Because the women are taken by the Jawas in the right the car yeah. there's this point where Mike meets these is left for these two women in an antique shop and somehow the tall man catches back up with it, but anyway right. and so he speeds off with them there's the girl at the beginning that was with the grandma with the box Right. she, show, she shows up the mortician and screams and they explain all of that away yeah. when they meet back up with Reggie who's revealed he's still alive because there's another point where they think he died Right. because they find his crashed ice cream truck Right. and he says man yeah I found these three women are they dead? No, I'll let them go. They're gone. Yeah, <laughs> okay. they climbed out a window no and ran screaming into the woods.
0: <laughs> and, yeah, well, and that, you know, but also that's another thing that points to a dream um, is when Reggie does return because the last we see, Reggie's driving along. He hears thump, 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 thump on the top of his ice cream truck. And then the next thing we see, the ice cream truck is overturned. The body of the Jawa that they had caught was gone out of the little freezer chest, and Mike's not there. And it's assumed that, oh, shit, they got Mike, which apparently they did because they took him back to the Mausoleum. But he just shows up all of a sudden. They're about to open the door to the tuning fork, you know, uh, interdimensional portal. and um, well, and awesome. he, yeah, and, and he just pops up. I'm here, guys. And you know, much like it wouldn't happen in a dream, where you know, oh yeah, my brain didn't want him to die. We're gonna bring him back.
1: And I want to say this too: while Jody is off running around scared, yeah, and Mike is off running around scared, Reggie is just the most laid-back, accepting dude of all of this. Yeah, because he comes in, he comes in. It's like, what the hell is going on? Like at first, yeah, but like later on, (laughs) like. Later on, it's just like this is Tommy, when because they, they find out one of the dwarfs is Tommy. So they find out the bodies right, are being made yeah. into the dwarfs, and he's just like Tommy, cool man. Let's put him in the ice cream truck. Hey man, he's not gonna ooze all over my ice cream. Yeah, then, is he? yeah, that
0: was in it. I was like, what the fuck, man? You're you're looking, you're looking at a good friend of yours. At least twenty years of your life, you've known this fucking guy. He has been shrank down into a, a a dwarf size. He bleeds yellow goo and his face has a gigantic tumor on it. And he's still running around, even though you thought he was dead. And the thing you worry about is, is he going to ooze all over my ice cream? No. Listen, Reggie, <laughs> get your priorities straight, buddy. Well,
1: let me tell you something, Jason, when you watch the sequels, yeah, uh, and you see Reggie, yeah. just try to remember uh, Bruce Campbell's Ash from the Evil Dead series. I will. And you'll, yeah. and you'll get an idea of where Reggie's going.
0: Okay. So. <laughs> okay. So, uh, um, but, so the ending, and, and, and we'll talk about, because that is what catches the most shit from people, is that it is the, it was all a dream ending. Well, I forgive that in this film, because it is supposed to be, all a dream.
1: I I also forgive it too, because I, I honestly don't think that was as big a cliche in the seventies as well. I'm sure it's not the first film to say, Oh, it's all a dream, but I have a feeling that, you know, it was still not considered a trope to say it was all a dream. Right. You know? And, and so, yeah, I totally forgive it for that. And besides, even if you don't want to think it's a dream, they're still the final scare.
0: Yeah. They're still, yeah.
1: the tall man is still out there. The threat looms large for sequels and, and everyone who wants to have nightmares when they get home yeah. of a big, tall, crazy mortician. Yeah. So
0: <laughs> the cool, um one, oh one cool thing. Another thing that points to it being a dream is, is whenever he's in the antique shop and he finds the antique picture of an of an old antique hearse, the ho- horse drawn hearse, and with the driver sitting on it, and the head in the picture slowly turns, and it's him. It's the tall man. He's been there for years, you know.
1: Which for all the hokey shit that's yeah. in the movie, the effects of the of the sentinel, yeah. and the and the effects in that photo, yes. are extremely well done for a low budget horror film.
0: Very. Like
1: like that's a very effective scene, and in fact, yeah. you see that scene repeated in a lot of movies. Of movies, yeah. Uh, it did it. The original nineteen ninety. Yeah. It. They, they're looking at, at the scrapbook or whatever, and it and it moves, and then yeah. it, I think it even happens. There's a scene in the new film, but uh, uh, there's a lot of films that took that trope and ran with it. Right. This film actually has inspired a lot of filmmakers, and if you want to know one of the key fans. Uh, today, working in Hollywood, is J.J. Uh, Abrams.
0: J.J. Abrams, yeah. He's the one who and, remastered the first one.
1: and Yeah, he remastered yeah. the first one. And Captain Phasma in yeah. Star Wars is named Phasma for Phantasm because her silver suit reminded J.J. Abrams of the Sentinel from Phantasm. I'll be damned. And that's that's why she yeah. is named Captain Captain Phasma, yeah, if you will. So, yeah, this movie, it's influenced a lot of people. It's influenced a lot of people who love to work with more cerebral-type films and not necessarily give you everything, because as we all know from J.J. Abrams, he loves the mystery box storytelling, where he'll set up a mystery, and he may or may not answer it by the end of it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, this film is fantastic. Uh, I really enjoy the sequels. I think you'll get a kick out of those too. Yeah, uh, as well. It seems like
0: so far I'm. I am a few minutes into uh, two already, and I and I'm I'm having fun watching it. It's 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 just a it's a it's a romp, <laughs> as they say. <laughs> the uh, only
1: time that Mike is not played by a Michael Baldwin. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that that was that's that's one of the key things where you could tell the studio stepped in to make the movie because Coscarelli had his way. Baldwin would have been in the the sequel. So, yeah, yeah, that one's really good. I'm a big fan of the third one. Okay. Um, the fourth one, uh, the fourth one's really good, too, because the fourth one actually does get into a little bit of a origin story. Oh, cool. uh area yeah. with uh, the tall man. Yeah. And 5 I have not seen. I yeah. the, re- the reason I haven't seen it is it's the only one that Coscarelli did not direct. Yeah. He got someone else to direct it and I've heard mixed reviews so I've kind of held off and I'm ta- Now when I say yeah. mixed reviews, I'm not saying mixed reviews from critics. Yeah. Cuz critics are going to hate these films regardless. I'm talking yeah. mixed reviews <laughs> mixed reviews from fans. Yeah. That's kind of, well, I've stayed away from it, but Hey, if anyone else out there likes it, please give a shout out and say, Hey, no, it's great. Or, Hey, right. you no, know, it sucks. Right. I'd love to hear from you.
0: And you can do that, um, at, uh, horror bros at gmail.com. Uh, also we have a Facebook group and all that jazz. So, uh, Which, jump on there.
1: Which once I again I did. Which once again I did forget to share the last episode that we yeah. did. Uh, I, I just didn't think about it. I just it slipped right. my mind. Uh, I'll try to mention it whenever I post this one. Whenever us no, put that. this one up, yeah. But uh, uh, um, but yeah, no, I love this movie. Uh, so I said we, yeah. I think we're ready to give this film a, a final verdict. And I'd for me, so. and for me, what else am I going to give it? I give it four out of four Sentinels. I mean, what the hell am, else am I going to use to, to rate the movie? So. Um,
0: and, and I myself will give it five out of five shotgun shells taped to a hammer. Uh, <laughs> which really affected me for some reason when I saw it in this film. But, uh, But yeah, in fact, it affected me so much. I'm actually thinking about going and buying a box of shotgun shells to try to, to see if I can do this. Jesus
1: Christ, this film's going to get you killed.
0: Probably. This is one of those don't do this at home things, kid. So, uh, so yeah. But it always says kids, don't do this at home. I'm 45 and an adult. So what the hell? I'm going to do this at home. Let's see how it works. Um, I, I was just going to tell everyone, um, announce that this is the final episode of 70s. Yes. And that we are going to take a little break.
1: Uh, we're gonna go. We're gonna go into the '80s. Yeah, uh, the first. Two. Of, the it'll be the and it'll be the first of two seasons that yes. we'll spend in the '80s. We're gonna go ahead and spend a, quite a bit of time because let's face facts: if there was a true golden age of horror, it was the '80s. It was the '80s for sure. Or, or even if you just want to say there was just a shit ton of fucking horror movies yeah. in the '80s. Yeah, we don't even have to uh, say they're
0: good. <laughs> there, there just was a fuck ton of them. It was unreal.
1: But uh, real quick, though, before we—I'll uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that here in just a second. I do want to have a shout-out to, to a fallen actor um, that died yesterday, actually, uh, as, as of this recording. Yeah. Uh, Hugh Keysburn passed away at the age of 75. Now, if you don't mm-hmm. recognize the name, you may recognize a couple of his roles— In 1979, he played the gang leader Toe Cutter in Mad Max. Okay. And in 2015, he returned in Mad Max Fury Road as Immortan Joe, the main bad guy in Mad Max Fury Road. How about him? He was 75 years old. Uh, I don't think a cause of death at this time has been determined uh, beyond being age, 75 beyond yeah. being 75 but uh, i wanted to give him a shout out because he's he's one of those yeah. like cult names right that i, I, that right. I just wanted to kind of give him a little bit of recognition there yeah. uh but uh so a little bit of a moment of silence for this fallen hero okay uh <laughs> Uh, he, he didn't really do much outside of, um, Mad Max. Like that was his big claim to fame. He was actually surprisingly a big theater actor. I think like he, and, and he was considered one of Australia's, uh, underrated actors. Right. And so I just wanted to give him a shout out there. Uh, but for the new season of, uh, horror bros, we're going to take, Christmas and new year's off and we're going to head on back into the horror zone or the horror house, if you will, uh, on January 4th. Yes. That will be the first episode. Uh, should we reveal what the first movie of the eighties will be? Let's go for it. Alrighty, I got to pull it up. Okay. <laughs> I said that and I was like, Oh crap. I've still got my notes for this pulled up. Uh, the first one will be a 1980 classic, celebrated its 40th anniversary this year, and it is Friday the 13th. Fantastic.
0: That will be the
1: first, first film of the
0: 80s. Fantastic. So, That's awesome. Well, I'm going to go ahead and sign this thing off, and I'll just say this, uh, all you hepcats and kittens out there, as we leave the 70s and go into the 80s, I'm sure the good times Free love and disco will continue forever. There's no way we'll let greed and horrible fascism start to take over the United States. Come the 1980s, no, it's all going to be perfect. Four more years of Jimmy Carter. Anyway, love each other. Bye.
1: Later.